0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the RR Show. We aren't going to hang around today. We're going to jump straight into it. This is episode 201. We're going into r slash malicious compliance. Grab your tea and your popcorn. Come with me into our first story from Punk Linux, who wrote, Oh, you think trade shows are actually vacations wrought with fraud, and you want to impose strict controls over a business you don't understand. Ha! <laughs> Good luck. Many years ago, I worked for a company that hired an incredibly obtuse financial department who took over when they first organized. It used to be a loose collection of managers, but the year after I started, they went for a more organized and separate structure. To be fair, this is more about my boss than myself. We had a travel team, a group of volunteers from sales and IT who would go en masse with equipment and tech to do setups, displays, and network at trade shows. We had a booth some sales guys would be there and networking would commence there was always a set of volunteers from the it department because some of the shows would be in big cities and you'd get to attend vendor events parties and hang out with the sales guys who were mostly gay alcoholics for some reason and super fun there was a kind of seniority to who got to volunteer but nobody really complained and everyone got rotated who got to go You got to go to DEF CON last year! It's my turn now!" Alright, fair. The travel team lead was also a volunteer position, but commonly someone high up, like a manager. Their job was to orchestrate equipment, rentals, expenses, travel plans, convention center fees, and shipping. They also ended up getting a lot of free stuff, too, from sales and our partners, which they'd pass along to the travel team. It was kind of a perk, to be fair, for everyone involved. But when the new director of finance started, she put in some new and strict policies. Some of their policies started with 1. The travel team is not allowed to get reimbursed without explicit approval and nobody was approved post event. 2. Travel team does not get a credit card of their own or even a company card. 3. Travel team gets gift cards for a set amount, like $150, which was to be used for all expenses. Sadly, places we needed it for, like airlines, rental agencies, hotel rooms, gas pumps and toll booths, do not accept gift cards. Finance denied these were gift cards and even specifically disallowed people in meetings to refer to them as such. pre approved credit balances, I think we had to say. But to the rest of the world, they were 100% exactly the same as gift cards with gift card restrictions. 4. No matter how early you ask for it, often finance waited until the very, very last minute and usually after half a dozen reminders to get anything approved which incurred a lot of unnecessary costs like expedited shipping, same-day rental penalties, or inflated airfares. 5. If they forget, it was your fault or your manager's fault for not reminding them enough. Okay, you reminded them four times to buy the team airline tickets and it wasn't done. Should have reminded them a fifth time, so your fault. This was all in response to the director of finance's claim that it would reduce fraud, an issue that, as far as anyone could tell, had never happened. The director had this Dolores Umbridge approach that somebody somewhere might get away with something. She was a patronizing git with a smug grin and this annoying head waggle when she downsplained something to you. So we'll call her Dolores. Before her, the travel team would just submit receipts and get reimbursed. Dolores put an end to that, specifically saying the previous lead of the travel team was just going to spend all the money on steaks and wine. He understandably told her to go fuck herself and quit the company when the dust settled. In this wake, Dolores used his free stuff from vendors as a shining example of stolen opulence and swag hoarding that she put an end to. Oh, behold, the mighty on his throne of airborne express stress, squishies, and free U-line catalogues. That left my manager to take over his duties, and he'd never done travel team, so he wasn't really sure how it all worked and didn't push back on Dolores at first until he was forced to travel with the team. He was surprised he didn't have an expense account or corporate card, and when he asked for one, he got a gift card. When he tried to use it, it was rejected pretty much everywhere he needed it except various restaurants. He paid for everything else on his personal American Express card, including stuff for the rest of the team, and was rejected for reimbursements because he didn't ask for it beforehand. He was on the hook for 40k in various things from two-week-long trips. Of course, he complained to top management. Dolores threatened to quit if she wasn't allowed to do her job. And the top managers never had to deal with her before and were kind of wishy-washy about being the bad guy here. Like, well, she says she lets you use gift cards, so... And when the manager said they were rejected, Dolores says, He's not trying hard enough. He's afraid of confrontation. He needs to be a big boy and fight back. But in the end, the top management reimbursed him under pressure from the legal department. After that happened... Dolores settled on having certain things prepaid for, like hotel, travel truck rentals, and shipping. But they waited so long to do them that often they tried to get hotel rooms or trucks rented the day of a popular event, hence sold out, or got the wrong hotel. Washington, D.C. is not the same as Washington State, or waited so long for shipping that it cost 250 bucks to send something overnight that would have cost 40 bucks to send a few weeks prior. They also didn't understand how much anything actually cost and how we save money by doing things ourselves. And in some cases, finance did everything wrong. So the team would arrive at the right hotel and found out that finance didn't submit an authorized approval for a card for, say, incidentals, a requirement for most hotels for trade shows. And nobody could reach them. So again, people got dinged on their personal cards. Again, Dolores said, They just can't accept what the hotel desk, convention center union or dumb minimum wage bunny at the toll booth tells them. We have to fight back. We can't spoon feed and coddle these guys because they're too scared of conflict. Ever fight with a Jersey Turnpike toll booth collector? Yeah, neither had she. After two of these disasters, my manager said, just stop. Stop volunteering for these events. I will not approve time off for it. He declined being travel lead for future trips because he just couldn't afford it. This was an unpopular move, at best, but he told us, just wait, let her do things her way. He was a master of malicious compliance, and with no resistance, Dolores went into fifth gear with the smug grin, and ah, now we can act like a real company. That leads to the next issue. Some of these travels were in major cities like Chicago, New York City, Washington, D.C., etc. Dolores again said that people were just going to these events to get the company to pay for a drinking vacation. Management was like, uh, yeah, we wouldn't get volunteers otherwise. Well, Dolores didn't like that idea, so she decided that she would hold a staff lottery And you could enter your name, and she'd have a drawing on who got to go. To be fair to everyone, this fairness seems awfully slanted on her own staff, by the way, which we'll get to shortly. The point of these trade shows was not to take a vacation, something Dolores made absolutely sure to point out. But she didn't grasp the entire reason we went, to increase our business. It had to be IT folk for setup and sales folk for the schmoozing, but that concept never got past her ears into her cognitive understanding. Well, since those IT and tech folk who already couldn't go and didn't want to pay for it, we didn't volunteer. So the travel team ended up being other company staff who had no idea how to work, act or deal with trade shows, which was a horrific expense disaster. Imagine the administrative assistant for marketing on the fifth floor winning a ticket, only to find out she had to pay for everything. Plus, Dolores always sent one of her own to keep an eye on everyone, but none of them knew how trade shows worked either. They only knew how to cater to Dolores and her control issues. What is a union fee? What's corkage? No, we did not approve some union to give us power. You plug your booth stuff into an outlet or something. They won't let you? Who is they? Well, stop using the TV screens in the booth. You don't need them. We don't sell TVs anyways. Did you know that if you have a conflict with an event center union and decline their help, they charge you anyway at the max rate? Yeah... Dolores and her team didn't know that either. And let me tell you, paying those guys a few thousand bucks ahead of time is a lot cheaper than just letting them charge you fines afterwards. Oh, she tried to fight back because she was not afraid of a little conflict, but lost heavily. Ironically, despite Dolores stating otherwise, at great length, the non-IT or salespeople who went actually thought it was company paid vacation ish just like dolores warned about making it a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy the fact they had to work was surprising at first then after that word got out nobody would enter into the lottery so now they had no volunteers so dolores assigned them to interns interns I could write an entire novel from that disaster alone. Imagine sending a bunch of college kids to Vegas, telling them they had to pay for things and putting them in a job conflict situation where they were guaranteed to lose. I am sure many, many laws were broken. Dolores then had to send chaperones to manage it who were more of her finance department flunkies and our company ended up with massive fines for various issues including paying bail for the interns. (laughs) Because the interns got into so much trouble Dolores started hiring room monitors for the hotels and fully legal adults had to go to the show work the entire day at the show on their feet then check back into their rooms she also put four to six people to a room too like they were a high school band or something she even had breathalyzers bought for it to make sure nobody was drinking adults she treated adults like this this was brought up by the sales team as a pr nightmare my boss just said oh just wait okay just let her hang herself The first year of this, the travel team's expenses increased by over 4,000%. Yeah, you heard me. 4,000%. Trips that used to cost $3,600 were now costing $144,000 or more, often because of late minute fees and penalties. The travel team expenses went from 110k annual on average to over 2 point something million because shit was so badly mishandled. We lost a lot of our booth slots and booth renewals so we lost half our trade shows and looked like idiots to our clients. But the main reason we went to those trade shows in the first place was for networking so there was literally no reason to go anymore. This was pointed out to Dolores multiple times by the sales team, so she doubled down and cancelled the travel team after just one year. Finally, top management got involved, who actually fought with Dolores for a year until she retired for personal reasons to dedicate herself to a family. Then it took nearly two years to rebuild the travel team from scratch. People got corporate cards, travel team lead became an actual job, and when we hired one, She handled all the financial stuff for us, so it was much, much better, and saved the company a ton of money in her first year. After that, there was much rejoicing. All right, guys, real talk quick. I really, really, really appreciate you listening to our show. It means a lot to us, and we want to do a lot more with it in the future, make it a lot better, bring more stuff to it. I'd like you to do me a quick favor. It's only a quick little itty-bitty favor. It'll only take you a minute, I promise. I want you to go right now and leave a review on Spotify for our show. All right? All you need to do is go to our show page. Not the episode page, like the actual show page, you know, like the mother page. Just click on the three little dots, and then there's an option in there for rate show. Jump over there. It'll only take two seconds, and honestly, thank you so much. It'll be a massive help to us. Anyway, back to the regularly scheduled content. Uh, our next story is from Ancient Educators 76 We'll be gone before you know it. Chill out. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation. Because you just had THE vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello all, hopefully this story gets approved. I've had many odd jobs and working for the Colorado Grand has been the most, well, interesting. And yes, I work at the timeshare location I own points at. Linen department. Among other odd jobs, I'm essentially a floater, filling in as needed. Not as fun as it sounds. So I'm on my smoke break, and the area I'm in needs to be free of cars. Signage is up about the linen loading zone. I literally just lit up when Bob and Karen McCarenstein pull right in front of me, two feet from my knee, fully in the loading zone that's about to have a truck pull in. This dude, Manny, is like clockwork. He pulls his truck up for loading, takes a lunch, loads up, and leaves. I quickly leap to my feet to drop my $2 cigarette and do the double arm wave, letting them know that they can't park here. Karen rolls down her window as sweaty Bob leans over, saying, Ah, we'll be gone before you know it, so shut the fuck up and chill out, okay? Well, okay. Malicious compliance time. I see Manny, pulling in, like clockwork. I see Bob, see Manny, all in a panic. I see Manny, pulling in, like clockwork. I see Bob, see Manny, all in a panic. I see Manny, see me, with a smile on my face, looking at him. Oh, he knows what to do. He pulls up as far as possible for loading, blocking, panicking Bob in as he's trying to grumble around for his ignition. I could swear Bob was talking to me, but I was told to shut the fuck up, so what's the point? I then turn and walk to the ice machine a ways away, get a drink and chill out. I even got my personal fan knowing it's a hot one. We load up, taking our time as Manny eats his Jimmy Johns, chilling all the while. This could have taken an hour plus, but we decided after 25 minutes and an irate Karen unleashing her vengeance on Bob instead of us to let them out. Bob was literally the first person I've seen with sheepishness on his face. Priceless. Our next story is from Phantom Father 88. No, I said okay. A few years ago, I was moving my business to a new location that needed six months to be built out. I informed our current alarm company a few months before the move that we'd be moving services, which for whatever reason they couldn't do. I had to open a new site on the account, and then I could close the old when after we'd moved. Sure, sure, that's fine. They got all the details and sold me the newer system that would be connected to the internet so I could monitor it from my phone. Sounds great. So they then told me they could install it next week, but I have to have the internet set up and running before they could do it. I informed them that the phone lines and internet would not be installed until later as I didn't want to pay for services we were not using. And I would let them know when that was installed so they could come out for their install. Everything satisfied, the call was complete. A few days later, I started getting weekly phone calls from their installers, telling me they were on their way to the new site to do the install, to which I had to go through the explanation of the internet won't be installed until later and that I would call them and let them know when that was done. Each time they said, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good, we'll wait to hear from you. But then the following week, it would repeat again. On the sixth week, I got the same weekly call from the alarm company installer. Hi, uh, yeah, this is Jim, we're just letting you know we're going to be at your site in 30 minutes to do the install. So this time I said, ah, okay. We hung up and I went back to work, which was happening at our current location. No workers or work was happening at the new site on this day. About 30 minutes later, I got a call from Jim saying the doors are locked and nobody's answering. I said, I know, nobody's there today, and the internet won't be installed until next month anyway. At this point, he starts getting agitated with me and asked why I scheduled an install for today and why I told him I'd be there when he called. I explained, I didn't. You said you'd be there in 30 minutes. I said okay. Amazingly, the call stopped and I called them a couple of weeks before the move and they came out and installed it just fine. Well, my lovely jubblies, that's it for this episode. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I hope it continues to get better, and I hope you're here for our next episode. Make sure you're following along. If you're just dying for some more, head over to YouTube. Check out our YouTube over there. It's therrshow.com, and we are dropping some absolute bangers over there, so be sure to check it out. And if you've got a second, don't forget, drop us a review. It would be a big, 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 big help. Thank you so much in advance for that. Until next time, guys. (laughs) Oh, my God. Until next time. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Peace out. Take care.